listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message by Ray Hollenbach. We have um, a great friend of Queen City Church here with us this morning, Ray Hollenbach, all the way from Campbellsville, Kentucky. So let's welcome Ray. Ray, come on and let us have it. Yes, sir. Hi, good morning. We could have just kept worshiping, right? Oh, man, I'm so grateful to to Andy, um, well, to, to all the squires, all 12 of them. Um, I'm, I'm grateful to them. I'm grateful to to people like Leonard. I mean, who can take a viola and make it sound like a, a saxophone? I mean, my gosh, that's good stuff. And then, like, you know, the 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 rhythm section, you know, that's like... You know, that's like witchcraft. That's like I'm at oh, I don't know how they do it, right? Um, but I'm glad they do it. It's a good witchcraft, you know. It's, it's like Hogwarts. It's an okay witchcraft. It's okay. So how are you all? It is so good to see you. Um, uh, I, I get to come here from time to time. And one of the joys of the time to time part is that, God bless you, uh, one of the the uh, the joys is that like faces are becoming familiar, and I'm making new friends every time that I come, um, and it's just so wonderful. What a what a gift to uh, Charlotte is uh, QCC, uh, and then of course what a gift to QCC are um, Robin and Donna. They've um, they've sold their lives for the gospel. Um, yeah, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> You can do that. Um, thrown caution to the winds more times than certainly I'm ever aware. Uh, and uh, you, you build up a few decades of testimony. And now that inheritance is for you. So um, Robin and Donna, wherever Donna, there she is. Um, God bless you. Uh, and, and, you know, like I, I, I could like start calling out people. Um, but, um, then I wouldn't have a chance to share anything with you. And, um, I'll, I'll say this one last thing. I, I was so excited about being at QCC that I broke out my very best t-shirt to be with you. Uh, that I only wear this t-shirt on very rare occasions when I want to feel fancy. Cause you know, if you feel good on the outside, then you feel good on the inside and then, then you can do good. So, um. So I'm wearing, wearing my best for you today. Um, and then, you know, all the way, it's like six and a half hours, Campbellsville to Charlotte. And I'm thinking I'm going to be with the cool kids. And, you know, so I play like Echo Smith the, the whole way. The same song, just over and over. But it's not that good of a song that it can take you six hours, but I'm glad to be here. So, all right. Um, hey, Jesus, would you, um, would you help me? Uh, the way that you've already helped uh, so many in this place. Uh, Amen. Um, So for about 25 years, the the things, the two things that get me out of bed in the morning, the two things that um, absolutely just are my raison d'etre, and I've I've got my family, my wife and my my children, and there, there's certainly that, but the, the two things that really drive me are um, uh, discipleship 
and the gospel of the kingdom of God. These are the two things. You, and they, by the way, they, they can't be like really separated. And um, I was so uh, thrilled um, when Robin asked me to come. He said, talk about whatever you want. And I said, well, then I get to be in, you know, in that zone. And he said, sure. And then we did a, a men's meeting uh, yesterday uh, for a couple of hours on Saturday morning. I met some new folks there. And uh, we talked about discipleship for a couple of hours. And basically all we did was uh, go as far as to, like, try to define what is discipleship. Um, and um, that's, that's about all you can do in, in two hours. Um, but in the next little bit of time, in the next 30 or 35 minutes, something like that, um, I want to share with you uh, a passage that is really dangerous, and it's dangerous because it's familiar. Do you know what I mean? It's like um, we, we know it. M- many of you may be able to quote part of the passage. And um, when you do that, um, of course, it's good. It's always good to be able to quote Scripture. I'm in favor of quoting Scripture. But when we know something so well, then it, there's the opportunity to, to maybe, like, just check out. And uh, now, if you check out because the speaker sucks, that's fine. But don't check out because of the passage of Scripture, okay? Um, because this passage of Scripture has the, the potential to revolutionize the church and to change the world still you know, 2,000 years after, like, the big events that happened uh, in another country. Um, so uh, uh, what do we got? Do we? Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to look at uh, Matthew 28, and I'll just, like, I'll do a little soft shoe. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. These are the very last words in Matthew's gospel. Uh, these words are so well-known that for people who are really, really, really church broken, we, we, give them, we give them a name. This passage is called the what? There we go. So church broken people among us, the Great Commission. Um, but today I want to talk about the Great Omission. And uh, that's, a, that's a title that I've stolen, just lock, stock, and barrel from Dallas Willard. When he talks about the fact that the church in the 20th and the 21st century in the United States has largely lost sight of these amazing verses. And we think that because they are familiar to us that we're doing them. Have you ever, have you ever had that experience in your Christian walk? Because you can quote a verse that you think you're living the verse. Um, uh, you, as Bob Mumford would go, you can say amen or oh me. Um, the idea is that we, this, these verses are so familiar to us. But what I want to do is I want to be able to share with you from Matthew 28, verses uh, 16 through 20. Uh, and here's what I'm after. I'm, I'm afraid that um, most churches are now, nowadays, most churches are Jesus admiration societies instead of Jesus imitation societies. Um, and the, the second one is more important than the first one. Should Jesus be admired? Yes. But should Jesus be imitated? Heck yes. Heck yes. 
Um, and the, the difference between a Jesus admiration society and a Jesus imitation society is the difference between entertainment and engagement. And it's a vital, vital need in the church today. And if the church, and I'm talking about certainly the North American church, uh, I'm not qualified really to talk about the church international, but if the church in North America could get a hold of this, it would revolutionize the church and it would change the world. Still, the United States, no wait, North Carolina, no wait, Charlotte, no wait, your neighborhood is crying out and waiting for us to understand that the church is a Jesus imitation society. Uh, The great need of the world is for the church to be the church. The great need of the church is for you and for me to be imitators of Jesus. Um, There's a lot of theoretical things we could go into as to how possible that is. Uh, I would just say this. It's way more possible than most of us think. Yeah. So, all right. So are we there? There we go. Now, these, you know, like the thing I love about Hulu and Netflix and all is that you get to find the lost episodes from your favorite program, you know. It's like, you know, you can you can binge on The Office, but then you find out like, oh, well, wait, there's four episodes that never aired. You know, those are the lost episodes. So verses 16 and 17, these are the lost verses from the Great Commission. If you're one of those uh, um, uh, pointy-head intellectual types, they call... They call the whole thing the pericope. Uh, it looks like the word pericope. But the idea is, is like, well, what's the, the full passage about? And any time that you just start slicing and dicing the scripture to try to get down to a particular uh, phrase, then you, you lose the full impact of the scripture. So verses 16 and 17, they're a part of the Great Commission too. So, um, so it says this, it says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then the more familiar verses, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, comma, even to the end of the age. Lord Jesus, would you breathe into my life and into our lives fresh the sense of being with you there on that mountain in Galilee. So so let's look at this. And, And here's what I want to do. And uh, Chris, if it's okay, maybe we'll just go back to 1617, and I'll talk on that for about an hour and a half, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll talk about 18 through 20. Um, uh, I want to give you three points from the setting for the Great Commission, and then I want to give you three promises that are inside of the Great Commission. All right? You with me? All right? I've been... I've been kind of just, you know, mumbling around here. I promise I won't fall asleep while I talk. And I might even get a little excited once in a while just to to keep you interested in it. Um, But uh, let's look at three things about the setting. And the first is that then the disciples went 
to Galilee. They went to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. So, okay, so there's a physical setting. They're in Galilee. It's up and it's to the right in Israel. Um, and they're on a mountain. And uh, the imagery in the scriptures, frequently mountains are related to kingdoms, the kingdoms of this age or the kingdom uh, of our God and of our king. Um, but what I want to point out is that the disciples went where Jesus told them to go. They went to Galilee and they went to a mountain. And the first thing that I want to point out, there's three points about the setting. The first thing that I want to point out is that they obeyed what Jesus told them to do. They went where they were supposed to go and that positioned them to be able to hear from Jesus. If you didn't go to Galilee and if you didn't go to the mountain where Jesus told them to go, you don't get anything else in these verses. And here's what I've discovered in my life. Um, when I manage to obey, it positions me to hear more from Jesus. This is the first part about a setting for the Great Commission is obedience. It's not, excuse me, choked up. It's not a, um, a particularly popular word these days. I wish I could have, I, you know, went to the thesaurus.com, couldn't find a suitable substitute. But there's no mistaking it. You don't go to Galilee, you don't go to the mountain, you don't hear Jesus. Doing what the Lord says, doing your best to do what the Lord says, positions you to be able to hear from Jesus. So maybe there have been times in your life, maybe you're in one of those times where you go, I just wish God would speak to me. I just wish, you know, I, I could hear something from the Lord. And, you know, what he said was go to the corner of Second and Grand and buy a newspaper and a cup of coffee and wait there. Um, um, I've already referred to Bob Mumford. He's had a big influence on my life. Um, he said that one time he was driving his car and he had this strong sense, like, quick, turn left. So he, like, turned left. And then, then you know, he drove for a while, and then he had this sensation, like, quick, quick, turn right. And so he, he turned right, and he drove for about three miles, and it was a dead end, and nobody was there. And he said, so did, was that a waste in his walk with Jesus? Was that a waste in his ability to hear the Spirit? Um, and I'd like to suggest, because he suggested, is that, no, that's not a waste. Any time that we do our level best to try to obey what we think God has said, it's like working out with that two-pound dumbbell, right? And then after we've worked out, just, oh, well, maybe that wasn't God. But here's the nice thing. God is so sweet and so kind. He will credit to you the obedience even if you didn't hear him because you were just willing to do what he asked you to do. Even if it's like buy a newspaper, drink coffee, and wait in the corner second and grand. And like nothing happens. But then he'll say, look at that. Uh, look at my daughter. She did that. And I love her so much for it. And then what do, you, what do you got? You can go from two pounds to three pounds. So the first point about the setting is that obedience is part and parcel of the Great Commission. The next thing that it says in these first two verses is that when Jesus was there with them, they worshiped him. Now, I am 100% not qualified to teach in any depth at all about worship, other than to say this. These verses are called the Great Commission, but what comes before mission is worship. Do you understand that 
They went where they were supposed to go. They obeyed. And then when they encountered Jesus, they worship him. And this is preparing their hearts to hear what it is that he has for them to do. If, if you ever wonder, like, is worship a waste? Let, I, I drove all the way down here and listened to Echo Smith the whole way just to tell you that worship is never a waste, right? So what we, what we do, whether it goes long or whether it goes short, whether, um, whether it's children, like Robin said, running around down here, or even if there were adults running around down here, um, to pour ourselves out before him actually prepares our heart to hear the work that he has for us to do. Um, so that's the second thing in the setting. The first is obedience. The second is that worship always proceed, precedes mission. And then I don't know if you knew this was in here. Verse uh, 17, it says, but some of them doubted. And you go, what? Uh, now, some people might think, okay, yeah, well, you've also read John's gospel, and so this is just Matthew's like wink and a nod uh, to doubting Thomas. But the problem is, is that it's a plural. It's some of them doubted. So if we take the word of God seriously, which I hope we do, there's a plural here that says that 11 people go to where Jesus says to go. They worship before Jesus and some number, two or more, in the midst of obedience and in the midst of worship, they doubt it. And you go like, this is the A-team. These are, these are the guys that have been with Jesus for three, three and a half years. These are the guys who at this point have already encountered the resurrected Lord again and again and again. I mean, I, and yet they doubted. So first of all, let me just say, I'm glad that that's in the record because sometimes I doubt. Can I, can I just be honest? Sometimes I doubt. And it doesn't matter like how many times I've encountered the Lord Jesus before. There are some times that I doubt. In fact, in the midst of worship, in the midst of the presence of God, sometimes I doubt. There may be people here today that when everybody else was going nuts and it's, oh, you know, we need you, we need you, we want you, we want you. And you're like, you know, I don't know about this. Okay. And can I suggest to you that if that describes you, that you also were in the right room at the right time, doing the right thing, okay? In fact, doubt never disqualifies us from hearing the Lord's commission. You see, Jesus didn't say, all right, I've got a mission for you guys, except for you three over there. I'll deal with you in a minute. He didn't give the great commission to eight out of the 11. He gave the Great Commission to everyone, all right? It, 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 and and if, we, if we, like, take these three things in the setting and we really work them together, doubt does not have to prevent us from obeying. I can have my doubts, but I can still walk my legs to the corner of second and grand. Like, this is never going to work. This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. Man, I'm not even sure I have enough money for a coffee in the newspaper. I may have to panhandle to be able to do it. And it's like I'm grumbling the whole way. But doubt doesn't keep me from being able to obey. Do you see that? Neither does doubt 
keep me from being able to worship. It turns out that anybody with just the tiniest bit of work can say, I believe in one God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and recite the creed, right? And there was a a young student that was, uh, and I can't remember, it was like Yaroslav Pelikan or one of those, you know, um, uh, great theologians. And the student said, well, how do I deal with my doubts? And he said, well, you could start with the creeds. They're not hard to memorize. And the student said, no, 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 you don't understand. I, I'm not sure I buy any of it. And he said, yeah, I'm answering you. You could start with the creeds, memorize them, and they will do their work in you. Right? So doubt doesn't keep us from obedience. It doesn't have to. Right? Doubt doesn't have to keep us from worship. Um, Robin, did you guys have doubt police going up and down the aisles? Checking everybody's bona fides to make sure their worship was sincere today? Yeah. Secret, secret worship police here at QCC, right? You know, and, and here's the thing is that if we have doubts, we worship him. Okay, we may be able to fool the secret worship police, but we don't fool the Holy Spirit. And he just comes close and he puts his arm around and he says, that's all right, I'll raise your arms for you. And I go, thank you, you know, thank you so much. So these three things are absolutely critical in receiving this commission that God has for us. And that is that the setting recommends to us the practices of obedience, the practice of worship, and that we do not give doubt a greater voice than it needs to have. Notice that neither the scripture nor the preacher man has said, stop that, don't doubt. Look, doubt, can I say this? I don't know if it's, uh, if it's either a heritage or a heresy. Um, uh, doubt is the common property of all mankind. It is the common, all, all doubt does is say you're in the club. It's okay, all right? Philip Yancey said that his great breakthrough in the faith was when he realized that doubt did not speak with a greater voice of authority than anything else in his life. It was just another voice in his life. And he said he began to find himself empowered when he realized that he could doubt his doubts just as much as he could doubt the truth. And it would be like, you know, and just check with me what day is it and I'll tell you whether I'm doubting my doubts or whether I'm doubting the truth. But it is the common property of all humankind. And it's okay. Right? Setting, obedience, worship. And yeah, so what? Doubt. All right? Now I want to give you in verses 18 through 20, which are like the more, you know, official stamped version of the um, uh, Great Commission. I want to give you uh, three promises but first, you guys have got to do some work. Are, did you know you're going to do some work today? Did you know that? Okay. So we got 18 through 20. There are three alls in the passage. And I ain't saying another word until you guys call them out. What are the three alls? And well, you guys were real strong on the first two. And then it kind of got mumbly. What's the third all? Somebody over here said it, but just say it. Just one person. Y'all be quiet. All the commands? commands? Teach you. Oh, there is an all in that. I used the wrong translation. No, I don't mean that. 
Okay, that was you, okay. No, okay, because actually what the text says, is this New Living Translation, the one I asked you to put up? Yeah, I could have read, you know, the New Living Translation, but no. Um, What it says is teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Okay, so all the commands, yeah, we're we're thinking that's the third all, but no, it's not. Thank you for playing our game. Um, So what's the third all? Always. Yeah, it's a trick. Yeah. To be with you always. To be with you always. So it's a preacher's trick for, you know, crowd involvement and engagement and just loads of fun. And if my, and if, if my wife were right there, she'd be like rolling her eyes. Um, by the way, my, my wife says hello. The, the folks in Campbellsville um, say hello. I don't know if you've ever met um, Kim. That's her and my 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 one of one of my three children. This is the one I still like, so so she gets to be on my phone. The other two I don't like them so much. But Kim and Kim and Katie say hey, um, as do the rest of us in Campbellsville. We say hey to our sister church. Okay, so the three alls signify three promises from God. Okay, and the three alls are all authority, all nations, and always. It's kind of like a trick. It's like doing the New York Times crossword puzzle. You just you don't do it in ink, do it in pencil, all right? Okay, so let's talk about these three promises. Jesus is promising us, okay, so here we are. We made it to the right mountain, the right time, and we worshiped, and even in the midst of our doubts, and what we've done is we've been able to hear the voice of God. That's, I mean, already, that's enough. And he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And uh, if you would like something to do this week, do, I don't know if other teachers here give homework, but I actually teach at a university sometimes, so I give homework. You could go back through Matthew's gospel and just just check off, get, get yourself a little, you know, little card this big, just check off, Start in, in Matthew chapter 1 and read through Matthew 28. Yes, the whole thing. And just check off all authority has been given unto, to him. How many times does Jesus claim authority and in, and in what places? And so I made a little list, but you, you would really benefit by just doing that exercise. He has authority to teach. He has authority. He has authority to heal. He has authority to forgive. He has authority to send. And he even has authority to serve. These, these are the, the points of authority where Jesus says, this has been given to me to do. He's authorized. You know, what it, you know what it is when you're authorized is when you like flash your credentials, FBI, right? Like, I, I don't know why they would even show the badge because I wouldn't know a decent badge if I saw one. You know, it's like, oh, well, FBI. No, actually, it was just my driver's license, Right. Well, Jesus shows his credentials throughout the, the, the gospel of Matthew, right? Uh, Matthew helps us out. Like uh, he finishes the, uh, the, um, um, the Sermon on the Mount and they say, hey, this guy's different because he teaches as one having authority. Yeah. He teaches as one having authority, not like those other guys, right? And, you know, he says stuff like, well, you know, that's all right. Your sins are forgiven and go, oh, who does he think he is? And, and he says, well, if you want to know if I have authority to forgive your sins, well, then I say to you, take up your mat and walk. And so he has authority to heal. And the authority to heal is substantiating his authority to, uh, to forgive. 
It's, it's actually a really good study. Um, summer project, people graduating from high school. You just went to prom, so you're about to graduate. Graduate? No, junior year. Okay, well, what are you going to do for the summer? Matthew's gospel, all authority, or just, just, just look for the authority points, okay? Sorry to point you out. Okay. All right, so um, he says all authority. Now, here's the more basic question, because what I just did sounds like a preacher's shtick. It's like, hey, Jesus, he's got all authority. Am I right? Can I get an amen? Right? It sounds like what you expect a preacher to say. Okay, watch out now, because here it comes. Does Jesus have authority in your life? Does he have authority in my life? Because the key authority for me, as I read the sacred script, is will I give Jesus authority in my life? And so when Jesus says something like, but I tell you, pray for your enemies... And I go, nah, I ain't doing that, right? Or when Jesus says, you know, I'm going to tell you, uh, it's not just don't murder. I'm going to tell you don't even be angry. And I'm going to go, nah, (laughs) it's impossible, so forget it, right? this, this, This promise of authority is actually an invitation for us. Will I give Jesus all authority in my life? So so under the three promises, here's the key thing I want you to come away with with number one is if I describe myself in any way as a person of faith, if I describe myself, I'm going to up the ante here, I'm going to climb the ladder. If I describe myself as a follower of Jesus, if I want to describe myself as a disciple of Jesus, am I really willing to give him authority in my life? So if he says, well, or, 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 or by the way, not just Jesus, but all of the word of God. So that um, the scripture says, well, don't get drunk with wine because that's dissipation. It's better to get drunk in the Holy Spirit. And you go, well, I, you know, I, hey, I'm going for both, right? You know, how, I, I'm, I'm getting like really serious here. How much authority will we give the Lord Jesus in our lives with what we do, with our thoughts, with our words, with our hands, with the rest of our bodies? Or do we, like most people say, no, 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 this is like an accessory, you know? I got my Jesus t-shirt, I got my Jesus jeans, and my Jesus stuff is just an accessory, but I've got authority over my own life. Now, back in the day, so like Leonard might remember it, or, or Robin might, we used to sing, I'm not my own, I belong to Jesus. He purchased me, I'm all his, bought with a price, right? So can I, can I just suggest to you that this great commission can become a dangerous passage for me and for you if I will actually say to myself, will I give Jesus all authority over me? My thoughts, my words, my deeds, my sexual, my sexuality, my gluttony, and you know, some men's sins go before him, some come after him. Um, uh, but I mean, like you know, he actually he he has an opinion about my physical person, right? And he's not impressed that I can quote seven scriptures, but he's far more impressed that uh, that that what's worship to bend over 
to, to kiss his feet, that I would prostrate my body before him, right? So the first all is all authority. All right, now I've lost my place. What's the second all? Oh, all nations. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like I said, I memorized it. All right. So he says, go therefore into all nations. Now, if your church broken at all, you've heard preachers say, well, the word here is ethnos. It's, um, it's the word from which we get ethnicity, right? And, you know, it's an amazing thing, regardless of where you stand on current, like, arguments about immigration. Do you know that the whole world comes to the United States? You know, some come in the front door, some come in the back door, some come in the side door. But do you know that all nations come here. I'm in a little bitty town in central Kentucky, 10,000 people, and we have students at, that, at Campbellsville University from like 80 nations. Now, you come to a place like Charlotte, and I see diversity everywhere that I go. The nations have come to Charlotte. So when Jesus says, go therefore, into all nations. Yes, I think some people are called to a missionary kind of work, like I'm going to go to, you know, Switzerland or Rwanda or New Zealand or wherever it is. But I really think that what we have to realize is that we are called to all people. This is the, this is the second thing that Jesus is, is extending to us, is that you are called, I am called, the, the guy in the blue shirt is called, and the other guy in the blue shirt is called. We are called to all people, not just the people who look and think and act like us. We are called to all people. Um, and in fact, it's a really good spiritual discipline to make friends with people who are not like you. Yes. Not just because it will make you a better person. It will, right? Right? And it, you know, it ought to be the United Nations when you have dinner. I mean, that would be a good thing, right? But it's not just that it's good for you. It's good for the gospel. It's good for the kingdom of God that we would find a way to reach out to all people. So my older daughter, who didn't make the cut on the picture, she and her husband live in Los Angeles, and um, they just moved there. Um, she's taking care of three kids, three and a half, two, and, and one-year-old, right? And, and my son-in-law is in the army. And the only friend they've made is the guy that my son-in-law carpools with. And he's from Puerto Rico, and his wife doesn't even speak English. And my daughter said, you know, maybe I should learn Spanish so that we could invite them over for dinner. And I said, you know what would be way more fun is forget learning Spanish, just invite them over for dinner and figure it out. Yes. Do you know? Have you, have you ever been in a place where you are way beyond your comfort zone? Way beyond your comfort zone and you figure it out while you go? See, the invitation here. That, that we, 21st century, United States, North Carolina, Charlotte, your neighborhood, you guys are uniquely positioned to obey the words of Jesus, to, to take the gospel of the kingdom of God to all people groups. But it takes a conscious choice for the all, because otherwise I'm just going to pick middle-aged, puffy, white Republicans, and they're the only ones I'm going to hang out with, Right? <laughs> And you realize that's actually not good for me, right? And it's certainly not good for the kingdom of God. So this is the second promise 
from Jesus is that we can transcend our ways. We can encounter people of other ways and together we can find God's way. Now, this is really important. It's not just diversity for diversity's sake. We must transcend our ways. We must learn other ways so that together, as it says in Isaiah, we can all say, come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord and he will teach us his ways. That's the kingdom of God. Do you understand that the kingdom of God runs against the ethic of, uh, of France? The kingdom of God runs against the ethic of China or the, or the ethic of Zimbabwe or the ethic of, you know, uh, waspy Protestants in the Northeast. The kingdom of God runs counter to all of those ways and that together we can go and learn of his ways, all nations. Okay? So, all right, so now I'm middle-aged, I'm not even an old guy moment. Um, okay, so it's um, all authority all nations, and then, yeah, it could have been teaching all the things I told you to obey, but the actual translation is teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So behold, I am with you always. Um, but heck, maybe there's four. Teaching them to obey all the things I've commanded you. Yeah, uh, I've already done this, but I, I really, can, can I just be like a scold? Obedience to Jesus just isn't optional. We should, we should really take seriously the call to learn how to obey everything Jesus commanded, right? Everything. And then more importantly, which is in the, the New Living Translation passage, is that, is that we should be able to teach others how to obey everything Jesus commanded. So if I'm a rageaholic and I think that the world is populated by morons, um, I'm not saying I do, but maybe I do, okay? You, you know, you've heard this. You know, it's like if you get up in the morning and you meet a jerk, I'm using a, a church safe word. If you get up in the morning and you meet a jerk, well, then you've met a jerk. But if all day long you've met nothing but jerks, guess what? You might be the jerk, right? Okay, so suppose I'm a rageaholic and God, by his grace, begins to teach me how to deal with my own anger. Well, yay, yay. But most important would be, can I then teach other people how to deal with their anger? So, uh, like, I got people that I'm, I'm Mr. Judgment Man. I've got people that I judge all the time. And, um, and, and it's like sport. You know, it's, it's like watching the NBA or like watching politics. I just judge people. It's fun. Um, and a, a, a guy taught me once, just recently, he said, do you know how you smile when your child comes in the room? And I go, yeah. And, go, and so does it matter if your kid's been good or bad? You're just happy that they've come in the room. They don't have to do anything to earn your smile. You know, here's Sally, here's, here's Billy. And he said, now that guy you hate, Ray, he said, I want you to imagine that the heavenly father smiles every time he comes in the room. And I began to try to use my imagination to imagine that the smile and the favor of God was on this jerk that I think is like a total loser and doesn't get anything. 
And maybe my assessment is even right. Maybe he is a total jerk and a total loser. But the truth is, is that when that guy walks into the presence of God, the father smiles at him. And then this person who's coaching me says, says, don't you think you could learn to smile on that person the way the father learns to smile on that person? And what, the point here, which is a total rabbit trail, it's not in my notes, is teaching others to obey everything God has commanded you. What, what, has God, what has God taught you about your life? Can you teach others at least about that part? So maybe you had a problem with sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, sugar, carbohydrates. I've never met one I didn't like. Um, and, and then in any of those areas, in any of those areas, you gain some measure of, of victory. Wouldn't it be just like the best thing? Wouldn't it speak well of our Heavenly Father if you could teach people what God has taught you? And can I suggest to you that's discipleship at its core? Is teaching other people what God has taught me. That's, that's all discipleship. So yes, to whoever said it earlier, um, yeah, teaching to obey all the things that I've commanded you. But let's close with this one. Let's close with the third all, which is, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What a great promise to close the book on or to end a sentence in a preposition, either one. Behold, I am with you always. The third all is the presence of Jesus in our lives every minute of every day the presence of Jesus, whether I am conscious or whether I'm unconscious or for even whatever reason, I might be unconscious. Uh, the presence of God is this gift that he wants to give us so that we can join with him in fulfilling this great commission that the church has largely omitted like in the last hundred years, okay? Don't try to make a disciple apart from the presence of Jesus. And you go, well, then forget it. I ain't making any disciples. No, the, the, the object here is, can, can we become awakened to, can we wake up to the presence of Jesus in every moment of our lives and then let the presence of Jesus infuse us in our discipling tasks? And our discipling tasks are, for two-year-olds, our own children, six-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 22-year-olds, and 72-year-olds. Um, I, I didn't take the time, and we don't have the time, to, to realize that this is a commission. I, I've, I feel like I've, the Lord's wanted me to center on obedience, but can I just say that this, too, is part of the obedience? He calls you, and he calls me, to make disciples. You don't think, well, that's what the church staff is for. It's their job to make disciples. Well, first of all, any mother knows that's not true because the only civilizing factor that's, that's the same all the way around the world is that mothers civilize their children. And you know what? Fathers should help civilize their children too, right? But we just know that in general, the men don't, don't carry that load. They should. You, you make disciples in your own home 
of your children or your grandchildren. You make disciples in the workplace by modeling integrity and honesty. I know I've heard on the podcast how many times Robin has talked about the temptations of the workplace to tell lies in order to make a sale or you know, to, to look down upon another person or something like that. We actually have the opportunity to disciple wherever we go. And who is qualified to make disciples? Doubting worshipers who try to obey Jesus. Who's qualified? Does, does this describe you? A doubting worshiper who's trying to obey Jesus? If you can check those first three boxes from an hour ago when I started, if, if you can check those first three boxes, then you, my brother, my sister, are qualified to make disciples. Do not, do not disqualify those whom Jesus himself has qualified. He's looked right at you and he said, I want you to make disciples of all nations. I want you to make disciples of all nations. It will revolutionize the church, big C. It'll revolutionize the smaller church, the QCC. But most importantly is it'll change the world. And did you know that the church is in the world-changing business? So Jesus, I, I just hope you'll, if, if this prayer fits you, then please pray. If not, just be polite and let me finish. Jesus, I repent. I, I change my mind. I turn the other direction. from giving myself a pass on the commission you've given to me. Lord, if you have trusted me and you have said that I am called to make disciples, then I just want to tell you I'm sorry that I've not searched out the place, the time, the relationship in which I can do it. And Holy Spirit, I ask for your blessing and anointing that you would open my eyes to when and how I can do that going forward. In your name, I and we pray. Amen. Here you go. See you guys. Twelve thirteen. We won't hold that against you. Three minutes. I went over by three. Don't leave. Hang on. Yeah. The interesting thing, um, Ray teaches very straightforward, significant and important things that we need to hear. Now, one of, one of the things that can happen if you're Christian long enough, you always want something um, more profound, more interesting, more insightful. But Jesus said his meat, more meaty, but Jesus said his meat was to do the will of his Father. And we so appreciate your message, Ray. Thank you. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.